0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Cincy Brewcast. I'm the Gnarly Gnome. This is a really, really good one, guys. This is fun. (laughs) It's been a while since I've gotten to sit down in a brewery that is not yet open. And then I know everybody has a ton of questions that they want to ask you guys, and hopefully we hit on all of those. Uh, We're at Rebel Metal. Um, We've been talking about setting up a show and doing this for how many years now at this point?
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> November of 2015 is when we started this path, this well, um, journey.
0: I think I first ran into you probably 2017 maybe, does th- that sound about right? I think it was right when Streetside opened it up. It was right around that time yep, absolutely. and um, here we are. Absolutely. It, it exists. We were, <laughs> we were leaning quite heavily on Garrett at that point in
1: time and, you know, Trying to do some market research as far as direction, and and he was a a really strong proponent of ours leading up into this, and he helped us out quite a bit. Very grateful to him.
0: Well, yeah, you know, people talk a lot about the community of craft beer and what that's about and why it's important, and uh, it's a perfect example of the things that maybe the people sitting at a bar don't see and don't realize is happening that is the personification of that community kind of aspect. Before we dig in too deep, let's run around the circle. We'll start on the side. Everybody introduce yourselves. Say who you are and what you do here so people can hear your voice. And uh, Hello, my
2: name is Dewan Leonard. Turn
3: the mic this way a little bit towards
0: her. I am uh,
2: the front office manager here at the brewery. Um, and uh, that's my story.
3: <laughs> Hi, I'm Greg Goki. I'm the vice president of operations.
4: I'm Jonas
3: Locke, the director of.
1: My name is Mike Brown. I'm the president and
5: CEO of The Brewery. I'm Josh Deitner, and I am director of brewing.
0: Fantastic. Let's start. Well, let's start. Let's drink a beer first. Let's start with that, because it is a, uh, a beer podcast. That's what we do. We, we drink. <laughs> um,
4: what do you guys have to start with first here? Uh, so this is Steuben Tiger, our American light lager. He said American light lager.
0: Kind of American. Absolutely. It's all malt.
1: It's, it's, uh, we brewed and designed this to, uh, to, uh, appeal to the beer drinkers that like, like beer on a hot summer day. Uh, it's cool, crisp and refreshing from start to finish.
0: I think that, um, Oh, that's good. That's really good guys. (laughs) Um, there's a, uh, Maybe there isn't anymore. There used to be some kind of a stigma around lighter beers. And I think it came from craft beer drinkers kind of branching away from that and trying to find something that was different. And um, I think we've kind of finally made that turn back to understand that it's not just about the style itself that we were turning away from. It was something else. And we can get back into drinking some of those lighter lagers or pilsners or um, anything that for years, we the style was bastardized, I guess, you know, by these big corporations that didn't care about us. <laughs> and so, I like seeing places cranking out stuff like this. That sometimes you just need something light and refreshing and uh, really easy drinking, and that's exactly what this is. It's perfect for a hot day. Which um, wish we had some sunshine today, but
1: <laughs> We're, we got some liquid sunshine
0: today. That's all right. Um, so you guys you, you mentioned that you had a pilsner too right
1: so we're uh we're kind of focusing more on the lagering aspect uh in our in our brew house here uh we're probably running what a 90 10 ratio so to speak or an 80
0: 20 ratio between uh lagers and ales
5: yeah 70 80 it, we're shooting for 75 80 percent
0: talk about the difference between something like this and uh a pilsner
5: this beer in particular yeah yeah um so this is kind of a version uh, a later version of the american 100 year old american version of pilsner right so pilsners were the, the of- evolution
0: i guess here in america of where pilsner kind of went
5: this is our version of a version of gotcha <laughs> pilsner from a long time ago
0: so right. if you kind of like I mean I don't want to say that this is what people were drinking in Cincinnati you know in the early 1900s but something kind of like that something that is a full flavored I think 100
5: years ago the pilsner that we've brought the pilsner that we have now not this is is probably was brewed 100 years ago this is what the the German immigrants were probably brewing right this is is more like a macro gotcha. lager that you'd have today. Minus, minus no adjuncts.
0: Okay. This is all barley malt. So no corn, no rice, none of that stuff. To, okay. Um, so you talked about the, the distribution of lagers versus, uh, versus, um, um, ales. the difficulty, not, not just skill wise in making a logger, but, you know, setting aside tank space and things like that. um, why if the you know if if it's easier if it's quicker if it makes more sense maybe monetarily speaking to do something you know big super hopped ipa or something why focus on something that maybe is harder to do
1: um I'm, i'm gonna i'm gonna take this one a little bit um if my personal kind of mantra this is mike is if something's difficult to do then it's it's probably like worth doing, so to speak, right? And worth doing right. So uh, I come from a background that was challenging within the Air Force. And we kind of looked at that and said, all right. And we looked at the beer market in Cincinnati and kind of regionally, and saw that the overwhelming vast majority of, of breweries was focusing on ale production and, and not concentrating on any lagers at all, so to speak. You You'll have some random brands and you've got the big guys now, you know, that are producing, you know, dedicated lines for that. But we wanted to focus on it um, uh, as, a, as a focal point because of seeing almost like a void in American craft lager. And that's kind of what we looked at it strategically going, all right, so there is kind of a void here within the craft market demographic that we could possibly look at and, and do very well in. So... We focused on equipment, which we spared no expense at all. The the reason we designed this system the way we did with Deutsche is so that we could do a efficient production of loggers and still be able to have the turn time, so to speak, that makes us comparable or competitive with other craft breweries as far as a timeline and uh, a cost of production, so to speak.
0: You just you see a lot of a lot of breweries and I've I've seen a few of them even locally that have told us they're going to do this big focus on loggers and they do for a little bit. And then you start seeing that shift slowly going the other way. And then before you know it, they're, you know, cranking out, you know, Fifteen different IPAs and <laughs> so, yeah, as a it, as a logger lover, like I, it, it it always you know turns on my skin. So, come on, guys! <laughs> it will
1: uh, if that happens to us. I will go down kicking and screaming. <laughs> I can't
0: <laughs> with you. And and not that there's not room for IPAs. I assume you guys will have an IPA on tap. Absolutely, Sometimes there isn't room for stuff like that, or you know, some kind of um, you know big stouts and the, the things that the the craft beer geeks are all kind of fawning over. There's there's definitely room for that, but. Um, sometimes you just want to drink a beer, and <laughs> and I think we've, as as craft beer drinkers, and this you know we've we've drifted away from that, um, uh, that that side of it, though, just being able to sit down and drink, yeah. you know, and I, I like seeing some of that come back. So having these loggers, you know, they're
1: less filling. They've got a, a tremendous amount of Dude, session. They also ability. taste great. They, they, taste, they taste great. Absolutely. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, here comes, here I, comes I the was, trademark lawyers. I was going to go into, uh, you know, there's a, a good amount of session ability involved. And, and you're absolutely right. On a, on a hot summer day, having a cool, crisp, refreshing beer out in the sun that isn't going to fill you up is awesome. You know, and uh, like I said, I don't think a lot of people kind of focus on that.
0: I I find myself so often like I so in my my main beer fridge that sits behind my bar, I have different rows that aren't always the same beer, but it's always certain kinds of beer. So you'll have a a row of dark beer, a row of hoppy beer, a row of sour beer, um, something seasonal. And you have one that's always something that's kind of light and easy, a, a lager usually. And I tell you what, that is the row that more often than not has to get filled with something because we're drinking a lot of them. And that's you know, not just when it's hot and you know uh, you need something you know cold and refreshing. If I come home from work and I just want to grab something that um, I can just sit and drink, that's usually the one that I'm I'm, I'm leaning into. So I'm the same way. I can't I can't be the only one like that?
1: Yeah, you're absolutely <laughs> not. My my my. Uh, my palate has changed over the years. I wasn't, you know, an IPA drinker for the better part of a decade, you know. And and as I've gotten older and as my palate, I think, has gotten a little bit more refined, I, just like you, more often than not, find myself going to a lager compared to an ale. Right.
0: Um, let's shift gears completely. And let's talk about the history of how this idea started, where it came from, and how it kind of got to this
3: here. Greg, you want to lead us off on that? Sure. Uh, so, uh, as Mike said, we, we've been planning this uh, since 2015 when we f- first started talking about it. Uh, we had a different location that uh, we, we kind of held on to for a long time. Uh, it was the old Cliffside Brewery, which is a gorgeous building. Really cool building. If you have a chance to look at it, go uh, go check it out. Um, and so that one didn't work out. So we, we had the opportunity to move in here down at uh, 412 Central in the historic 4th and Plum uh, Business District. And... Uh, it's centrally located to Paul Brown Stadium, uh, the Convention Center downtown, um, and are not not any other breweries really around here. Um, so we're really excited about uh, about our location here now, um, you know. And we just wanted to get into it and brew beer that we wanted to drink. Uh, and as far as the loggers. You know, we were kind of doing some informal market research and saying, hey, what do you like to drink? Oh, well, you know, I don't really like the IPAs. And there just seemed like there was a huge um, kind of void in that market here. So we decided to fill that. And hopefully that works out well for us and we don't end up with 20 IPAs on tap.
0: talk about the the name a little bit rebel metal um where did that come from how did that come about mike mike has that story
3: so
1: so we were tossing around ideas for a name for a while um so in november of 2015 we started you know we finally made the decision that we were going to pursue this dream um we're brewing batches at home and and you know getting into it real hot and heavy and we were discussing you know like uh dwayne greg and i were like all right what can we do together you know and like and like go to work each day with a smile on our face and not have to work for other people doing it. And so that's kind of the genesis of how it started. So in November of 2015, I started getting smart. Um, I was taking online courses um, on, you know, brewery production and, and, and the business behind it. Started writing a business plan uh, in December. Uh, it took me about four months to finish it. It's like 45 pages long. If you want to read stereo instructions, I'll, I'll hand it to you. Uh, it'll put you right to sleep. But um, uh, started writing that plan and started following that plan. And that's kind of what got us from point A to point B, so to speak. We we knew what we're, where we wanted to end up. We just had to get the small pieces in between to get there. So uh, the goal-oriented behavior between uh, you know, point A and point B, there was a bunch of little waypoints in between point A and point B that we had to meet. And this right now is the culmination of all that. As far as the name is concerned, so we were tossing around ideas for probably the better part of six or seven months, right? Uh, during this time frame, I've uh, shown my age on this one. I turned 36, and my mother, on my 36th birthday, uh, gave me a handwritten note. Uh, she was like, "You've always been our rebel. You've always done things your own way. You've always forged ahead, and we're we're proud of you, right?" So that was in my mind. You know, I was I was really grateful for my parents to send me that letter, and it meant a lot to me. And uh, a couple uh, weeks after that. Um, I used to be in the defense industry after I got out of the Air Force. And uh, a buddy of mine that served in Iraq at the same time I did was like, hey, you remember this, uh, you know, over here in this area? I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, that one really tested your metal, didn't it? I was like, yeah, it sure did, Paul. And I was on the plane on the way back, and it just, it hit me like a freight train. I was like, rebel metal. I was like, that's awesome. It sounds cool. It it rolls off your your tongue. And candidly, between all of us, it really personifies uh, who we are. We are a celebration of a rebellious attitude and forging your own path and uh,
0: being daring. I think everybody can, in some way, and it's it's probably different for everybody. There's something about everybody's personality that you feel like you are doing something that's against the uh, the normal. Or you know, no matter how normal and standard you are, there's something about you that you feel like you know what? That's I'm just I'm different than everybody else. Nobody understands me. <laughs> That like that. Nature. Yeah, but and there's there's something about that with everybody, and to create kind of that place that people can can feel that way together and have a brand that kind of um, personifies that side of our personality. I think is 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 really smart, especially in a city like Cincinnati. We we've all got a chip on our shoulder. We you know we our sports are just just close enough to give you hope to and then crush it. And you know it's you know we have just this thing about this city that just you know. Uh, we, you know, we're, we, we feel we're different than everybody else. We feel like nobody understands. Us. So I, I love this city. I, I feel I almost like Ron
1: Burgundy when it comes to San Diego about the city. I love everything about it. I love the people in it. I, I love the fact that in 15 minutes you can kind of be out in a really nice nature setting. And then like 15 minutes in the opposite direction, you can be downtown at a place like this. Um, uh, but uh, backtracking just a little bit. When you walked in the door, you said, all are welcome here, right? Uh, over each one of our doorways. and that is how we are kind of communicating that that what you were describing about how all of us have a rebellious streak somewhere in us, whether it be something minor or something major, right? So all are welcome here. We want people to feel proud of that rebellious nature and have a place where there's no judgment here. Come and have a good time.
0: Well, and there, you know, there definitely are breweries that maybe started out one way, but then as time went on, you start to develop a certain uh, aesthetic when it comes to the customers that are there. And like you, sometimes you walk in, you're like, "Oh man, I just I don't be it be at age or whatever." it is, Sometimes you walk in, like, "Man, I just I don't fit in here," and it's it's hard to. It's hard to build that culture that is something that everybody almost feels. The beer elite. Yeah, yeah. There's
3: <laughs> yeah, we're trying to get away from that. Yeah,
0: it's um, a lot of places. You know, just you know, on a kind of a different side of it. You know, there's a lot of places that you walk in and maybe you've got you know your 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 dad or somebody with you. And you know, I just I want the closest thing to Bud Light question that gets, that gets asked in every tap room across the city. Some places you'll get made fun of for it. You'll get looked down upon. Other places, it's like, I can help you. You know, we don't obviously have Bud Light, but I can I can help you and I can make you feel welcome here in this space and give you something that makes you happy.
2: I just want to piggyback on that a little bit What Mike and uh, Greg was saying. Uh, the neighborhood feels like it's their brewery. Mm-hmm. So I'm walking down the street, I mean every day, and they're like, Duan, Duan, come here. <laughs> think they're going to have this could you talk to mike about having this so they are already feeling like it's their brewery it's their space and that's what we want to do we want absolutely everybody in the neighborhood to feel like it's actually their brewery they can come in and have a good time and it's an extension of the neighborhood right so and they feel that around here
0: well it's it's really hard to to keep that balance of creating a neighborhood space that then you know i live in the suburbs i live out in fairfield if I come down here and I walk in, and everybody looks at you when you walk in the door, like that's that's easy to fall into that trap and to create that that environment that everybody, you, you know, if a you know a, a family and their kids walk in the door, they feel just as welcome as you know uh, somebody that lives down the street that has no plans on having kids and they just go out every night and this is their. You know, it's very different types of people, and to create that space that is welcoming for them, and, and, and that's
2: uh, going to be. Our job in the front office is to make everybody feel welcomed.
0: Right. Absolutely. You know, to sit
2: down and have a beer with you. If you if you haven't been here before, we're going to, our job is to make everybody feel like it's their brewery. Right. So regardless of it's you know, the neighborhood people are giving suggestions, if you're coming from Fairfield, come in. I'm going to sit down with you, ask what brought you down here, and uh, I'm going to have a beer with you.
1: Right. So uh, I'd like to jump in here just for a second. You know, the name Rebel Metal, you know, it seems heavy, you know, like heavy metal, you know, you know. The name seems a little gruff, but on the back end, uh, the goal for this environment is to be warm and inviting to everybody to have a good time and, and just celebrate being part of this awesome community we call Cincinnati.
0: Well, I mean, I don't know how many people that listen to the show are like super geeks or anything. You know, Star Wars, you have the, the Rebel Alliance, you know, the rebels of Star Wars. You have, if you look at the what that means, you've got everybody from... This is the the geekiest um, analogy that I've used on the show. You've got Princess Leia, who is from you know royalty, and she's dressed in white and get the goofy hair thing going on. And then you've got down to the other end with Han Solo, that's like I don't belong anywhere. I just you know I'm just here for the money, that kind of thing. And the then ruffian, we, yeah, like and it's all part of the same thing. Down to you know Yoda, and who the hell knows what he, <laughs> you know, and it all fits into the same idea of this. Um, rebelling against this thing that you know you aren't part of and um, everybody's got it in them
1: it, absolutely right and the fact that we can label ourselves as a independent craft brewery is incredibly exciting to me that that word independent you know like we are doing this on our own right and that is very important to all of us I, I love the fact that we can take that claim
0: so to speak do we have another beer? Ah, yeah. Um, while, we're, while we're doing that, let's talk about kind of longer term kind of goals of what this place becomes. Sure. You, know, you, you, you see lots of different ideas about what growth means in craft beer today versus even five years ago, you know, when you guys started the idea.
1: So the goal has always been to distribute as well as have our taproom space. Um, as you can see in this footprint, it's a little bit smaller to have a mass production area. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to grow this into our neighborhood, you know, establishment, so to speak. And then in the future, we are going to look at distributing outside of the 275 belt around Cincinnati. Uh, we are self-distributing. Uh, we already have, uh, beers in place, the Steuben Tiger at, uh, Mio's Anderson on the corner of, uh. Eight Mile and Clough, we've got um, Steuben Tiger in Eno and Hyde Park, and then we also have Steuben Tiger in uh, the Liberty Township uh, Shooters location. Um, that type of relationship we are going to continue to pursue uh, with retail partners, and we're going to go from there. We might hit an equilibrium point where we go, all right, we're comfortable here, but we may not hit that point and decide, okay, let's
0: look at an offsite production area and see if we can expand our business. But it's you're approaching it from this idea of just kind of slowly, kind of putting feelers out there, see what people are, are 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 wanting, what your customers are, and it's really hard to kind of make that decision now. But you know, trying to see what works for you guys, what works for the people that that. Fall in love with the brand. and Absolutely. There's going to be a learning curve involved
1: here, which we all know, and, and that's fine with us. Um, when I was in the service, we had a saying called METTC, all right, is Mission Equipment, Time Terrain, and Civilian Constraints. So you base your decisions off of those criteria, so to speak. We're essentially kind of doing the same thing. We're going to go into um, this market with our best educated guests, so to speak. We're going to continue that best educated guess until maybe something decides us
0: just makes us decide to change tactics and or procedures. Do you think that, and uh, can't ignore the fact that you guys are opening in 2020, the the year that, you know, all hell broke loose and the, the service and beer industry and all of that. Um, do you, th- do you think opening now seeing what is probably going to be the, the, the worst time for craft beer um, in in the, in, the, in the past 10 years and probably in the, the next 10 years too. Do you think opening in the middle of kind of all of this gives you an advantage to kind of prepare for the worst and, and hope for the best kind of thing? Well, I definitely think we
1: dodged a bullet not opening right before COVID hit. Right. All right. So that also gave us the advantage of being able to look at what is going on with... Um, hey, buddy. With uh, what's going on in the COVID scenarios and, and make decisions and procedures based off of that. So we're kind of fortunate in the fact that we've seen the COVID um, landscape, so to, so to speak, and we've been able to make uh, decisions and, and procedures based off of that. So it, it gave us some intelligence, so to speak, that we could, you know, use. My motto on this is if we open up during COVID and we do well, we can handle
0: anything. And I think that's kind of where where I'm looking. I, you know, I've talked to a couple of places that have either opened, you know, in the last six months, or are thinking about opening in the near future. And um, it would terrify me, sure. you know, as my first instinct. But then the more I kind of think about it, the more it's like, if you can do it now. You'll, you'll be fine. <laughs> There's nothing holding you back, you know? And, and then maybe it kind of gives you, um, a little easing into things too. You're not going to get, you know, blasted off, uh, uh, off, you know, day one of people packed in the space, shoulder to shoulder. Um, people are still easing their way out of their houses and into places. Um, I don't know. Like, it, you know, it's, I guess there are positives to the Absolutely. chaos that we're living in.
1: Seeing so, seeing is common chaos, so to speak. Right. You know, look at your scenario and make good decisions based off your scenario.
4: You know? Tell me what we're drinking. Jonas? Uh, so this is Sister Rosetta, our uh, amber lager. An amber lager. Um, not something that
0: we see a lot of. Um, well, <laughs> sort of. I guess it depends on... It depends on your definition of amber logger. I guess there are a lot of loggers that could be classified as amber loggers, but aren't. But um, tell me a tell me about the the beer. How
5: it's um, it's a, a a beer that has ABV in it, and it's got malts. <laughs> <laughs> it's got some hops. All right. <laughs> so I think it's five. It's five ABV. This is obviously the first batch. Um, I, I think it's five percent, even um, a, a little bit of uh munich and caramel malts i believe not too much it's pretty dry in my opinion
0: yeah it's um effervescent but not like in a (laughs) dry is probably the right way to put it um it it's 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 light and it's crisp and has like a nice kind of bready sweetness thing going on that uh um, fills it out a little bit more. If you want maybe a little more flavor out of something that um, you you aren't getting from the the pilsners or the, uh, the American lagers or things like that, it's delicious. It's, it's for refreshing. The lovers. It is. That's that's a good way to put it. The people that have that thing that they're used to that they like and want to um, want to find a way to drink local um, that that also is that same kind of flavor.
3: <laughs> Absolutely,
0: <laughs> it's delicious. Um, what's what's? Would you say the name of it was? sister rosetta sister rosetta what's the story there
3: so uh sister rosetta thorpe you want to take this one greg so sister rosetta thorpe was um a blue uh blues singer um 1920s um and she actually influenced um I'd, i'd advise anybody to look her up she she influenced johnny cash um she was one of the original rockers um, very little, little known, but um, yeah, she influenced all of all of the kind of up and coming uh, rockers: Chuck Berry, um, Johnny Cash. I mean, they all they all credit her to their success and their styles. So it's just kind of another another example of kind of the the initial rebels um, that had huge waves uh, that followed her. That
0: just kind of unknown. Is that kind of the way you guys are leaning with with naming of beers? is kind of leaning into that that rebels and things that uh, our,
3: our naming, our naming, rebellious uh, nature uh, our naming maybe. venture has kind of gone all over the place. We, we've had different, uh, different kind of theories and different, um, uh, I don't know, themes that we were, we were talking about sticking with and that kind of. That kind of all got thrown out the window on our first naming session <laughs> so it's uh it's like yeah that that cut kind of, that kind of fits that style that fits that beer that fits our brand go with it you right. know <laughs> yeah you kind of have to and
1: with this specific example absolutely we're celebrating that you know she kind of planted the seed so to speak and really right. changed a generation you know i mean you look at elvis presley chuck berry uh johnny cash they were in the forefront of rock music and strongly influenced by this by this lady and that that's kind of our mantra you know you got to start somewhere and see what happens afterwards and ride the wave so to speak
0: when you i assume that it's kind of changed through this whole process but when you when you sit you know you at the end of the day you, you climb into bed and you put your head on the pillow and you're 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 thinking about this whole venture what are some of the fears that you have now that maybe you didn't when you started you know everybody I won't say everybody you know when, when a lot of people start a project like this a brewery or something similar you know you have this um, this grand vision of you know I, I love beer I love making beer I love drinking beer why, why not just create a space that people can do that and, and do that the way that I think it can be done um, and then I think as kind of the process goes on some of that shifts and changes and then you get those oh shit moments. and uh. <laughs> There have been a few oh shit moments. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I, I,
1: there's been a couple, um, you know, but we've always been able to see those moments, develop a plan, implement the plan, and find a resolution. And, and uh, I tell a lot of people this and I truly mean it. I have v- a lot of concerns, but I have very little worries. Um, so from start to finish where we're at now, so to speak, We, as a team, kind of knew what was coming up on the radar, so to speak. So we're looking at it. We're watching it. We've had those partnerships with other people that have started breweries and been able to lean on them and ask, hey, what about this? What about that? And gotten really good information. So as far as worries are concerned or what keeps me up at night, people having a good time, um, people having a smile on their face when they leave here. Um, I have concerns about my team, you know, with the, with the COVID, you know, situation that's going on. I don't want anybody to get sick. We've all got families here. So we're paying very special attention to protocols by the CDC and the state of Ohio. Um, you know, as a business owner, you know, the number one is always going to be cash flow, so to speak. So you've always got to, you know, have a mind, uh, your mind on that, so to speak. Um, I really kind of sleep like a rock. I'll be honest with you. Like, um, I, 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 One, uh, there's two reasons why. Uh, one, I come from a background where I've been shot at by people trying to kill me. And I come into work each day and that doesn't happen. And that's not happening. <laughs> that's not happening, right? Yeah. So that's kind of awesome. That's yeah, funny. That's yes, so the we'll operative there. word there. And the, and, and the other side of that coin, so to speak, is our team. I rely heavily on our team because I trust them to make damn good decisions which they do. I trust them to make a quality product which they do. It's incredibly refreshing to have a group
0: of individuals that are all striving for the same goal and motivated to do so. Well, so how do you how do you foster that type of community within the business itself like that's always been my biggest struggle is that I, I don't trust anybody with things that are important to me because I don't think anybody cares about it the same way that I do and so I've never been able to get those people around me that I like oh yeah I, I trust that person 100% to, uh, to, um, to execute this thing that I'm asking them to do I'm always watching to make sure that <laughs> I, I am fortunate enough
1: in this scenario that I do not have to babysit people whatsoever Uh, This team knows exactly kind of what's expected of them. So my job, right? I I give out like 120,000 foot view strategic goals. I'm like, this is what I would like accomplished. This is what we would like accomplished. And then I allow the person that that task is being divvied to to develop their own course of action, develop their own plan and implement their own plan. And in my experience, um, that offers empowerment, and ownership of the process, where it becomes their process, so to speak. And I've always had a saying, if you've got the right people, they manage themselves. All right, and so I'm, I'm falling back on that. This team is phenomenal, I, phenomenal. I wouldn't want to work with anybody else but this group of individuals that you see in front of you right now.
0: As things keep growing and you keep adding more people into that team, how do you uh, how do you ensure that everybody has that um, that same sort of mindset? To me, it breaks down to communication. Um, in my experience, both
1: professionally and in my military career, it all came down to communication. Right? You'd have bosses that wouldn't communicate with you, wouldn't say anything to you, and we've all been there. <laughs> and you're right. And you're, how at that point in time. How motivated are you to do that job, right? Especially on top of it, if you might have one of those guys that really doesn't communicate with you, doesn't ask what's going on in your life, but at the same time um, is incredibly demanding. At that point in time, you're doing the bare minimum just just to get by, right? That is not the culture, nor is it the way that this business is going to be run. Communication going up to each one of our employees on the executive level team. So everybody here essentially is in the executive level team here at the brewery. Communicating with your staff members. How's it going? How's your family doing? Sitting down and talk to them, maybe buying lunch with them and and communicating back and forth, letting people know and our employees know that, hey, I care about you. How can I be a better service to you? So as like the president and CEO, right? my My job is not to be like, you need to go do this. You need to go do this. You need to go do this. My job is if my team needs something, they come to me and say, hey, can I get your help with something? And I'm like, I'm on it. I work for you. So that's kind of the, the
0: culture that we have inside of these walls. It's exciting to think that, you know, from from the very beginning, you have that foundation that's been laid for that. I, I see a lot of places that as, as time goes on, they start figuring that out. And then there's this, again, the oh shit moment of, okay, now how do we rebuild this whole culture of what this is and get that in place and then build upon that and like it's it's refreshing to see that from from the beginning that you understand that and
3: so um, we have a really strong uh, sense of brother and, and sisterhood here. And it doesn't feel like when we come in each day, it doesn't really feel like work. I don't like the W word. Um, <laughs> it feels like we are coming in to, to hang out with our friends and, and do what we need know needs to be done.
0: Wait, do you have to clean vomit out of the bathroom? I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'll do and, it and, feels a
0: little bit like work, <laughs> And that kind of brings me to, to kind of answer your,
3: your question of, um, you know, how, how does the person mopping the floors feel like they have the same value as as the ceo and and they just you have to make them feel like their job is just as important and and no it it is their job is just as important as some higher higher level um echelons of of the things that need to be done um and it's just it's recognizing that i think is, is putting it out there
0: i i don't know if beer is just different as an industry too because i see a lot of people that have that that sense of ownership with breweries that they work at that I I don't know that I see other places you don't you don't walk into Applebee's and the person frying your your wings doesn't have that ownership over what they do and the people that they work with and the people Oh, I guess there are some if you listen to this and you work at Applebee's and you do feel that way I'm sorry I'm not I'm not trying to judge but um, there are not a lot of people that that have that ownership over their job and their. Um, their co-workers and their, their management and their ownership and that kind of stuff. It's something about beer that people just from the beginning you there, there's something about that that gives you it's a different perspective on it. Yeah
3: And, and you nailed it uh, earlier with, the, with just the, the community between different breweries. I think that's, uh, that's also inherent within those organizations as well.
0: We're trying to communicate with sign language. There we so, go. so for <laughs> me,
2: this is Dewan. For me, um, just knowing that these guys um, will go to go to hell and back for me, and will jump in and do exactly what they're asking me to do, makes me um, want to do more. And I think if we can extend that to my level, it'll it'll just mend together. So, letting the linemen know, like, hey, I'm different. Like, this is the team. We're a team. You know, whatever you need, I got you. Whatever you can't do, let me know, and vice versa. And that's how we communicate. I don't have a come in here a day and these guys aren't like, what do you need? The other day, Mike's cleaning off my chair. I said, you don't have to clean off my chair. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, 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 it's great. These guys just uh, have your back. And we just that to the rest of the staff and let them know hey we're all in yeah
1: so i'm gonna we all have hearts a mile wide everybody in this project all have hearts a mile wide we care about people you know and i think that's what it starts out as and then uh on top of it is trust you know you've got to trust the people around you and uh if you can trust those people you know like i was saying earlier you know you lay out the strategic objectives and say this is what we need to accomplish you now are running point on this. Make it happen. I'll follow you.
0: Right. Well, and, and just, it's one thing to, to say things like that, but to be able to really, really build that culture that people feel it is a whole different thing. And and to me, it seems like you guys are, are doing that. It's in, obviously, it's hard to... Uh, to get a good impression on that, until you know you're sitting at the bar and you can talk to somebody that's pouring your beer, that's uh, you know, you know, five hours into their shift and just you know <laughs> exhausted. Oh my God, I want to go home. And then you can start to get some of those other things about what, what, what life is really like. But it seems like you guys have again built that foundation that I think is setting this up for. Um, I won't say something that is different than other places in the city because there are plenty of places that have a great culture around them. Um it's almost like you um you've been able to kind of take pieces of things about the personalities around town and kind of try to combine them and build them into something that then also follows you know your ethos of of what it means to um to be part of something like this sure. let's talk about well let's let's talk about this beer before we Excellent. dig into the next thing beer um this one looks again nice and light and refreshing. Is this uh, Pilsner?
5: This is the Blau Pils. Okay. And it's uh, a bit hoppier. It's a bit uh, bodier. <laughs> it's got more body.
3: <laughs> we'll, we'll take bodier. Uh, we'll, yeah. Bodier is a word, right? Yeah, yeah we're good I think them. you just coined that.
0: It's both bodier. Yeah. I like the uh, the hoppiness to it. What, what kind I of have. hops are in here?
5: Uh, so it's only kettle hops. There's no dry hops in this one, and it's sapphire, uh, which is a, a German, a new German hop, which I've never used before. But I talked to some friends, and I decided that I would like it.
0: There is a uh, like a neat balance between like a floral kind of thing, and then a, a kind of a, a melony kind of thing also that's going on that I I've, I've, I really dig. it's it's, sure. it's, a, it's a great flavor. Okay. It's great beer. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Really well done. Um, again, really super nice and refreshing. Uh, it, it hits that point over and over of, you know, if you want something that you can just sit and, and drink, it it, it it nails it. Um, are you guys going to lean into the other side, the big and dark and heavy also? I think we will. I think we, we
5: want some of that.
4: Well, we're a little bit. We're also getting into that season. <laughs> okay. well, so we will we will have a uh, uh, strong Schwarz beer with juniper berries yes. added. Oh yeah, I uh, saw that one an opening. There. And uh, there's a Bach and our Rock beer in the tank. So if you like dark and a little more challenging uh, lager, then we'll have that.
0: Shortly. I'm I'm definitely curious about the Schwarz beer with uh, with juniper berries. So are we. <laughs> I, I, I don't know that I've ever tried that before. <laughs> I've
5: made a version of that before and uh, it came out really nicely and I've always wanted to do it since I didn't have the opportunity. So I thought this was a great opportunity to do I, so.
0: I've seen a lot of people that when, when you're using juniper berries, obviously the first thing you think of is gin and everybody tries to kind of replicate that idea of gin, something light and, you know, to put it in something that's a little bit roastier and, and, and a little heavier, I guess. Um I think it's, I think it's brilliant. I it's Schwarz beer. So it's still, you know, easy drinking. It's not going to knock you on your ass. I well, this one's eight and a half. Okay. It might knock you on your it's ass. Got you to have too many on. It. My name is Mike Brown and I like to party. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's, let's talk about uh, your road to craft beer. How did you guys all fall in love with um, this, this thing that now has taken over all of our lives? <laughs>
1: I'll jump on this one real quick. I got spoiled at like 21 years old. I got the opportunity to live in Germany for a year at 21 uh, for an insurance company. And, it, <laughs> and it, it really opened up my palate, so to speak, as far as spectrum. I mean, before that I was drinking like MGDs and Rolling Rocks, pretty consistent um, in college, you know? <laughs> But uh, I got to live in Germany for a year. I got introduced to a much wider palette of beer flavors. uh, And I was fortunate enough to be able to travel to certain cities inside of Germany and each one had their own individual pills, right? So uh, I was really digging that. When I got back stateside, I found it was incredibly lacking as far as the traditional domestic beer flavor, so to speak. They all kind of tasted the same to me. Um, This is when I was maybe 22, 23 years old. So. I really was looking at like imported beers for a while. And then I got kicked on to Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. And I was a Sierra Nevada man for at least half a decade. You know, that was my go-to. I'm, I'm picking up a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. So that kind of triggered me into the more uh, craft beer market, so to speak. And I know everybody's got a, a, a story regarding that, but that's that's kind of mine. I was spoiled in germany
0: well i think you know uh, when you talk german beer yes there's a there's a big variety of what that means especially now but um it's also all very kind of approachable it's easy to kind of jump into even if you are a mgd or rolling rock fan you can pick up a a, a logger at any german brewery and and enjoy it and not yeah not be blown out if you know we've we've all had that experience of you know when you're new into craft beer trying something that just kind of you know be it you know arrogant bastard or whatever it was that that first time you try it it's oh my god what is this
4: (laughs) damn this
3: shit's good (laughs) you know we've all been there (laughs) yeah it
0: just kind of shocks the system and uh, you know german beer i think is such a great way to ease even even the more off the wall traditional german stuff it's still so approachable and like it shows how you can create something that really is, I guess, crowd pleasing is the way I would put it. And, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I definitely understand that path. Into it the, it. the beer epiphany, you know, like, right. bam, this is awesome. I'm this ready is, for another. This <laughs> is familiar, but so much better. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, everybody else. How did you, uh, how did you get into the craft beer world?
3: I was, um, I don't know, I've had different kind of uh, touches into the craft beer before I kind of delve fully into it. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I think it was Avery, uh, a really super high, my first experience was a super high ABV um, lager from, uh, or ale from uh, Avery Brewery in Colorado. I think it was like a 17 or 18 and percent um, but it was one of the best beers I think I've ever had. And for the life of me, I cannot remember the name of it, but, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's the one that turned me on one of their seasonal releases, turned me onto the craft brewery, uh, scene and never, never turned away since.
0: I, um, I find myself sometimes chasing more so experiences than specifically the beer, but like, I, I can remember being a, uh, a younger craft beer drinker and we were up in Detroit for a, uh, a college football game. We, were, we we took a road trip up there for, for a bowl game. And um, we're, we're hanging out around the city. And, you know, after the game, the next day, we're like, all right, now what do we do? It's Detroit. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, let's just go. Let's go to breweries. Let's go, you know, let's just go drink all day. And, um, just, just, yeah, and so just we would <laughs> just go and we would just ask somebody at a bar, you know, where's where some local beer? And they would send us to one place. And then we'd ask them and they'd send us to another place. And we just kind of bounced around all day that way. And I can still remember sitting down at the bar at um, at Waterblock, which I, I don't, I, I think they're still open. I don't know if some, they, I think they got bought by, so I don't know. Sitting down at that bar and trying a flight and their vanilla Java porter, which I've tried since then and doesn't satisfy me the way that it did that day but that experience of having that beer and sitting there we were there early in the day so there was nobody else there and you know eating some food and drinking this beer that tasted unlike anything else that I had had at that time and just that you know like the light shines down it's oh, you know, and like it it's just that that experience and then you spend so you're always chasing that experience and then you'll get pieces of it here and then you get something new here and a new experience and you're like oh my god that was great and you're chasing that and it's it's just this um, this quest always of um, chasing this next thing. And it's it's so much fun. That, that first
3: feeling. <laughs> yeah. It's a yeah. riot. It's fun. You're absolutely right. It's it, it is, absolutely it right. so much fun. And this,
1: this community is, to me, freedom, independence, and, and having a good time. You know, it really is. Everywhere you go, you know, so to speak, it, it is all kind of a celebration of that. I feel free. I feel happy. This is an excellent beer. Maybe I'm out in the sunshine. Maybe I'm listening to live music. Maybe we're just sitting here talking, but it's always a great experience. Right. It's
0: um, Beer is almost the, the vehicle for the experiences around it. And uh, the places that are able to, uh, to capitalize on that and give that a, uh, a personality, I think, are the ones that do the best. Um, what about you guys?
5: When I was 21, I had my first beer. And it was uh, Red Hook Longhammer. And uh, it was the weekend after my 21st birthday, and I thought it tasted exactly like soy sauce. (laughs) And my friend who had been drinking them said, no, this is how they taste. This is good. And uh, it was a couple years later when I started homebrewing with my father-in-law. I still didn't care about beer, really, but he wanted to do it, so I had to help him. Uh, Around the same time, I went down to visit a good friend, uh, my best friend, Chris, in Georgia, who's a brewer down there in Macon. And uh, he was into beer. He took me out, he bought um Filet and Lobster and I bought the beers. And we each had two arrogant bastards and two Terrapin ruinations. No, I'm sorry, right. stone ruinations. Yeah. Um and we were having such a good time in that experience that we giggled the entire time. And I'm sure it wasn't because of the high ABV beers. But <laughs> it, it was that was the eye-opening moment for me.
0: Right. Again, okay, the the experience. Uh-huh and you know those beers will uh, create a good experience around them no matter what is happening
4: (laughs) uh so the summer after my 21st birthday my dad dragged his old homebrewing equipment out of the basement (laughs) that had sat neglected for 21 years
0: this beer tastes
4: like dust well well we 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 got to we brewed together and and it was a fun little project um And then, uh, yeah, I just kept finding myself surrounded by other people who enjoyed craft beer, uh, and, uh, yeah, going to graduate school in Michigan, you can't swing a stick without hitting an excellent brewery up there. And, uh, just kind of, yeah, had a lot of great, great times, had a lot of great beers and yeah. (laughs) Um,
0: let's talk about kind of cincinnati beer as a whole the community that um you know over the last we'll say what eight years ish um has continued to grow has continued to evolve um what it was then looks nothing like what it is today uh where do you see all of this going you know we're gonna depending on how you count it before i get the emails we'll, we'll probably hit 70 breweries this year um are, and I don't want to say that there's you know some kind of a bubble because there isn't, and you know I've there you can just Google on my website or look on my website and find me arguing that there is no bu- craft beer bubble. Um, but you know where does it go? Where does craft beer in Cincinnati go? How big do we get as a beer city? Um, what does what does the brewery of tomorrow look like versus what it does today? obviously opinions but
1: for me I, I see Cincinnati becoming a destination for craft breweries uh, you know you, you hear of other cities in North America that are like a destination for it Denver you know uh, Portland I believe you know is, is, shout out to Asheville uh, I feel Asheville had kind a of hard time through all of this you know so w- why not Cincinnati being a destination for craft brewer enthusiasts that will travel here to hit the breweries you know I think that's exciting um, you know i I've been fortunate enough to be able to travel uh, quite extensively in my life, and it seems like the that like you go to certain you know like different cities in North America that are are known for craft breweries, and everybody seems to just have a smile on their face and having a good time, and you know they're really excited about the environment, you know. 70 breweries in Cincinnati does not scare me at all. I think it's awesome. I want people to come from all walks, you know, so to speak, from left to right, you know, from from Alaska to Maine and come to Cincinnati. If they're a craft beer enthusiast, come come, give us a chance. Let us know what you think.
0: Well, it's it's still crazy to me that, you know, you say 70 breweries in a city and it's like, oh my God, that's a lot. And then you start to look at what that means for Cincinnati and that's from Mount Oreb to you know Aurora, Indiana, down to you know Florence, all the way up to you know Middletown, and it's a pretty big,
2: it's, a big, footprint. it's a big area. It's a and big so footprint.
0: you know you still can find these pockets that you're like, oh, there's no, no, there isn't a brewery there. Oh my God, you gotta, you still have to drive 20 minutes to get to a brewery. That's crazy, <laughs> you know. And like so, there's still to me is so much room for, um, for places to exist. That what that looks like might be different though, and um. What a brewery looks like today is very different than what a brewery looked like um, five or ten years ago. The the idea of what it means to be a brewery has changed.
4: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, up in Portland, Maine, I was visiting my brother. We hit up Allagash, of course, Mm -hmm. and then, like, you walk a block to an industrial park, and there's three breweries in there. And we hit up all of them, and they're all within a quarter mile of each other. And they're not, like, not everyone is going to be the size of Allagash. But I mean, I think there's still a lot of room for people to find their niche, make the beers that they want to make, that people want to drink and, and be themselves. I think that's what the future of Cincinnati craft is. It's, it gets harder for people to, uh,
0: I think, understand that you really have to, before you, before you open your doors, you've got to figure out who you are and what you can what you can bring to people to create a brewery. And it it didn't used to be that way. You could kind of figure it out as you went along. And it's, it's not like that anymore. You've got to, you have to have a personality and you have to have a, uh, an idea and an ethos behind what this is and how you can communicate that to people. And uh, it's, it's it's fun to watch, man. It's, (laughs) it's it's fun to drink. (laughs) It's fun to get to experience that um, from the side of the bar and to watch, Kind of how people are doing that. Um, I'm going
1: to take this real quick. I've got the sneaking suspicion this is our delivery driver for our crawlers. Okay. So give me a moment. You guys, feel free to have fun.
0: Um, I mean, there's another good uh, good road to down, go down. Um, you're going to have crawlers, obviously. Um, you guys... Uh, I haven't written anything about it yet on the blog, but I saw some can labels come through um, the TTB um, last week. So canning is on the horizon. Um, I'll talk about that a little bit. Um, how uh, how much of a focus on what you guys are kind of out of the gate is that versus um, just getting people into the tap room versus taking beer home?
5: Well. We've always had this idea of what our flagships will be, and we've always been very excited about getting them out into public. And that was kind of a year two, year three plan. Um, and so we're extremely excited to be forced to start canning um, almost day one uh, with mobile canning at first. Um, it just kind of as a COVID response plan, Right. you know. We got this this big place being built, and all of a sudden, COVID comes along after we've started, and we're like, Are we sure we're going to make it? Uh, when we want to open the doors, um, so we're really excited to have to have these cans out sooner than later. It's really um, great.
0: I will. I will probably uh, write something about it here in the very near future, so people will probably be able to get a sneak peek at some of those labels and what they look like um, in the, in the near future. <laughs> Sign language doesn't work when somebody's uh, <laughs> on a forklift. Um, that ab- about does it as far as um time goes for the show so um what do you guys want people to know about rebel metal that you think they don't know now what do you what do you want them to know about who you are or what you're doing or um anything
1: so our motto is uh, fortune favors the daring if you've got a dream chase it don't give up persevere find a way of making it happen
0: Especially if your dream is sitting down at a bar and drinking great beer. Hey, there's <laughs>
1: nothing wrong with that. And the, the other thing we'd like everybody to know is all are welcome here. Come be yourself. Celebrate who you are in an environment that you're not being judged in. And and come with a smile on your face and leave with a smile on your face. We hope to see just the whole community come and just celebrate being part of this awesome community. community.
0: Grand opening. The... Twelfth affirmative um and we'll um we'll post links and all the the show notes to uh website and social media and all that where you can get all of the latest information about what's happening with that and um come down here and drink some beer and uh find find your rebellious side of your your personality i guess and and,
2: And and your palate and
0: your your (laughs) palate own it and 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 you know Find find that space for you of you know where you can go and feel that you are part of something. And I like I said, I think you guys are are nailing it. Um, thank you guys very much. Thank you, uh, very cute. Yeah, Thank think, you. Uh, like I said, please please check them out on social media. Please come down here and drink a beer because. Um, that grand opening is getting close. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> Feeling it a
0: little bit. Feeling that's, it a little bit. That's, that's what makes it fun, right? Absolutely. It's
1: exciting, <laughs> and this team's awesome. I can't wait for everyone to come down here and meet the entire team.
0: Absolutely. Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft.